Welcome. We're glad that you've joined us. This is the McGregor EMC service recording for Sunday, May the 2nd. to worship is from Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods, or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God, we read your words of comfort, reassurance, and promise, and yet so many times we turn from you and go our own way. Forgive us and be merciful to us, we pray.
Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you again, frankly, a little downtrodden. When the last round of lockdowns lifted, we thought that that would be it, and here we are again. But at the same time, our Lord, we know that you are a God who can do all things. We know that you are a God in which our hope is placed, knowing that hope is concrete. You are a God that has got us through this twice before. And so, Lord, we pray, stand with us now. Lord, we pray, walk with us now. Lord, we pray, make yourself known to us once again. As the pains of the lockdown weigh on us, as they cause us and our minds to go to dark places, God, we pray, give us the strength to do all that we can to focus in on you. Give us the knowledge to know how to address ourselves when we are in these dark places so that we can keep our chins up one foot in front of the other. God, it is a difficult time, but nevertheless, we know that you have been with us up until now. So Lord, we pray be with us for these next few weeks until this lockdown too ends. And God, we also very much so pray, let this be the last one. Lord, this we pray. And God, as for the last two weeks, and this one as well, we have spent time looking at what hope can be, what hope in you can be. God, we pray now more than before, set these lessons in our heart. Lord, it can be very difficult to know the way forward just now, but at the same time, you have been walking with us and our parents and grandparents and all of the generations back all of this time, It has been you that has been there. And so, God, when you say that you will be with us, God, when you say that you will walk with us, God, when you say these things, we know that they are true. And so, Lord, help us to stand strong in that. Lord, help us to stand strong in the fact that when we look to the future, we see a future where beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is you victorious. Lord, help us to live for that day. Help us to live now in the reality that that is coming soon. Lord, these two things we hold before you now. And as we live in your good creation and we live in your town of McGregor, Lord, while we don't know how that will look just now, at the same time, we know that you do. And so please help us to live out this hope to the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Revelation 21, verses 4 and 22 to 27. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
Today we are going to be finishing up our three-part series on hope, real hope, biblical hope. In the first two weeks ago, we looked at how there is a concrete hope to be found in Scripture. Hope based on the fact that our God keeps his promises, based on the fact that our God will act for the things that he loves, which is all his creation, and based on the fact that our lives have meaning because God created us with purpose when he made us in his image. Purpose that includes building relationships with them, with ourselves and one another, and with the rest of creation as well. This purpose we were created with is so important that with his help, it doesn't matter how scary the world is, things can be made right again if we live the life we were created to live. Then last week, we explored the second major topic when it comes to looking at biblical hope. The sorry truth that sin is in the world. Sin, which is the name given for all that which makes us bad at what we were created to do. That blinds us to our God, tears us from one another, ourselves, and destroys creation. Sin, that is the reason the hope found in God, is often so very hard to see. But to this problem of sin... We saw also that there is a solution. Jesus Christ, a part of the God of creation, who said all that he made was good, who was born to us, fully human while staying fully God. And in this act, as well as over his life to come, in the death and resurrection, he showed us in a way that we can fully understand, fully comprehend how we can be human as we were meant to be again. How we can see past the scourge of sin if we just look at Christ our Lord, believe who he is and follow his lead. And in this way, the hope that we lost sight of due to sin can return once again. Both of the last sermons are well worth checking out if you want to get a more complete, albeit very broad strokes overview uh, of the topic of hope. But altogether, they do set the ground quite well for the third foray into the subject of hope. Because while for the first message, we turn to the beginning of our Bibles and the next to the middle, this week, we're going to finish at the end. And to start us off, I want to ask a question. A question that, full warning, depending on how you were raised, may very well set you a little bit on edge. What do you think of when you think of the end of the world? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? When you think of the end of the world, does the idea fill you with happiness and longing or does it fill you with dread? Is it a good thing or is it something you feel you should say is a good thing even though in your gut it terrifies you? Judging by how I worded that last line, I suspect you know how I, for most of my life, have answered this question. Truth be told, I used to be kept at night terrified of the end of the world. Well into my adult years, unexpectedly loud noises, I would swear, were the beginning of the end and that I had been left behind. I would freak out until I saw someone I thought was holier than I was, figuring surely then I was safe. In my mind, when I thought of the end of the world, it was in these terms, that someday all creation would burn and be done away with, all people would be judged, and those found wanting straight into the lake of fire with the devil they go. And then Jesus would make a new creation, completely apart from the first failure, a fresh start, begin anew. And no matter how I thought of that, as someone who had a lot of friends who were not Christian growing up, and also kind of liked the world that he lived in, 
If you've ever been to the Interlake, check out Gimli sometime. Beautiful place. And also went through long bouts of thinking I wasn't even a Christian at all because maybe I didn't pray the prayer just right or some such thing like that. This idea of the end of the world was more terrifying than hopeful. Personally, I kind of blame the Left Behind book series for this. In the 90s and early thousands, they were a pretty big deal. And while heavy on the drama, they were pretty light on something even coming close to a good understanding of the Bible. And it wasn't until college or possibly even seminary that I found out just how off they actually were. For even from the last two weeks, we can see that this idea of the end doesn't quite add up with what we know biblical hope to be, does it? And that's a pretty major red flag that something is up or missing if there ever was one. For if our hope can be found in the fact that our God is one that keeps his promises and acts in the benefit of that what he cares about, that is creation, how does this version of Revelation where all things burn and a fresh start is made jive with that? Jive with passages like 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Not well, I would hazard to say. Sure, there are passages about God destroying and building up, but they are there for a purpose. They are about putting things back to the way that they should be. They are about justice, but... Where is the justice in this idea of the end of all things? How is it not just God tossing up his hands in resignation and then starting something new? Where is the hope in that? Where is God all-powerful in that? And this leads us to the third thing that we learned about hope. That we know our lives have meaning because God set for us what to do and he doesn't assign for us meaningless tasks. How does that jive with a version of the end of the world where after all the work that we, his followers, put in to set things to right with his help, we just get noped and he destroys it all to start over fresh? Again, I would say it doesn't jive with that well at all. So how should we think of the end of the world if this approach is at best problematic? Well, unsurprisingly, I think the answer to that can be found in the one that we spent so much time talking about last Sunday, Jesus Christ. And you can see why I am confident in that from the first line of our passage today. And then I saw the new heaven and the new earth come down, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What does that sound like to you? Or I suppose more accurately, who does that sound like to you? Someone who passed away, and then when we see their new body, we see something that is both heavenly and also earthly combined. In our passage last week, Luke 24, 36 to 48, we saw the story of the first time that Jesus met his disciples after the resurrection. At the beginning of it, he just appears as if from nowhere, an act we only ever see heavenly beings like the angels do. And then he shows the disciples how he is also still human, still in a physical body as he eats before them and they touch his wounds from the crucifixion. Our takeaway being that in Jesus, in this passage, what we are seeing is our God in a body that is renewed, what is resurrected. A body as bodies were meant to be, both heavenly and earthly together. 
following this. Throughout the New Testament, it is talked about how one day following our passing, we believers will know this same wonder. Think of the eternal body that's talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5, for a prime example. It's an eternal body Paul talks of there that will be what a body should be. It is still a physical body, but it does not tire. It does not weary. It knows no pain. It's heavenly. A body renewed that we, after we pass, will be resurrected into, just as Christ was. We are still us. It is still our physical human body, but renewed as Christ's was renewed. Now look at today's passage once again and the verse that we read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It does not read that one is destroyed so that the new one could come, but instead it reads as a resurrection, as if this new heaven and new earth are renewed. Creation as it was meant to be. Here's what I, and most of both the recent and the ancient voices I could find, understand what is going on in this passage. And I'll tell you now, it makes a lot more sense of what we know of hope than the other understanding where everything is burned and discarded does. In verse 1, the old creation and the old heaven, things that we think of now as diametrically opposed to one another and that they are diametrically opposed to one another is why sometimes we have such a problem seeing the hope in anything. Through the work of our God, after long years, they have run their course, much like the old body of Jesus Christ ran its course that dark day on Calvary, much as we will all one day run our courses as well. But to this, instead of being simply done away with, scrapped, instead creation itself is reborn as well. God's creation that he said was good will be made new, just like the body of our Lord. No longer are the earthly and the heavenly in opposition to one another. Now they can be thought of as one. Come together to the point that God's dwelling place itself, as we see here in verses 2 and 3, is fully among his creation and his people. And his people now again live with him as we once did in Eden. And that this has happened means that we, who we have seen two weeks ago, are kind of the pinnacle of creation, the ones created to shepherd over it all. We too are reborn in that time. Our bodies, both earthly and heavenly, as Paul talked about in our passage above, We are, as such, truly fit to live as we were created to live. And as a result, no longer is there, as we read here, any tear in our eyes. Death has been done away with, for it too has passed. Mourning, crying, and pain are no more, for the old order had passed away. And we are then, like our Lord Jesus and creation, resurrected into the new where the earthly part of us is no longer fallen, but is together with the heavenly, and we are renewed, that which we were created to be. All that has caused us to lose hope is no more, for we at the end of all things, creation, humanity, and God, are living truly as we were meant to, together. That sounds pretty hopeful, doesn't it? In the end, we are where we were in the beginning, 
human as we were meant to be, on a creation that was very good, and God walked among us. Except you know what? In that day, it will be even more than at creation. For before the fall, we read that God came and went among his creation. That is in Genesis 2. But on this day, and from then on, the presence of our Lord, we read, will be among us, lighting our way like a lamp. Verse 23 of our passage today. We will walk by its light. In this new creation, things will be not just good or even very good, but they will be what creation has never been before. This, my brothers and sisters, is what we hope will one day be our home. And that we hope it means that we can have faith in our God that it will come to pass. Not just heaven as we think of it now, apart from all things, but instead this living proof of our God triumphant. But if you are still afraid of this end, if you, like I was for much of my life, were thinking, well, that's all good, but what about that judging part of Revelation that you mentioned before? That is the part I don't like. Don't be too concerned on that front either. Because remember that we know who the judge at the end will be. Christ is our judge. Christ who is fully human as well as fully divine. Christ who knows just how hard the world can be. Christ who loves you so much as to die to make sure this is how you end up. That this is how creation ends up. That is the judge. Imagine if you punched a guy because he was about to attack a child, and then you were brought to court on assault, and you found out that the judge was the child's parent. That's the level of bias that we are talking about here. This isn't saying that everyone gets a free pass, but instead have hope that if there is a length that our God will go in order to make sure that you join him in this end, that you better bet he will take it, if the Gospels are anything to go by at least. But this is the hope that we have for the end. A time where all creation is made new. A time where all creation, ourselves included, are resurrected into something more than we ever thought possible. A time when our relationship with creation is perfected. A time when our relationship with one another is beyond strain. A time when our relationship with ourselves is more than we knew healthy could be. And a time where our relationship with God is so good that he is literally the light that guides our way. It will be a time when we as humans are beyond fully human. It will be a time when all hope is realized and all the things that cause us to lose sight of that hope today are lost in the glory of our God. It will be a time that is worth praying to hasten the day. But if you are still the chomping at the bit kind of sort, as I hope you are, there are actually some things that you can do to help speed this day along. Because if this is the end game of creation, all things renewed, reborn, and resurrected, God triumphant, then as we have hit on now for three weeks, we can have hope that if we live as we were created to live, with God's help, hasten the day to this end that is so perfect that it gives us everything we need to know that we can overcome any problem in our path. So, if we say that our Lord Jesus Christ will do whatever he can so that as many as possible will experience the resurrection with us, well, then know beyond doubt 
that his tasking of us to build relationships with other people plays a big role in just that. Now, who do you talk about your faith the most with? Who do you show the love and care of Christ the most with? People that you've never met before or those that you have a relationship with? Obviously the second. So go out there and make new friends, not just acquaintances that you preach at and then never see again, but real friends who you will have in your life that you can actually show Christ's love to in its entirety. And as such, show this person what it means for them to be human themselves by pointing them towards our Lord. This may seem like a small thing to bring about such a grand end, but there are billions of Christians in the world today. So just imagine what all of us having a few friends can do. And if even this seems like a terrifying prospect, either making new friends or sharing who you are with others, don't forget God is with you. The Holy Spirit sent to help you do just this. And the church is here as well, the place set by God to go out from and to equip all people to be human as Christ shows us human can be. Next thing to do to speed the day, we were also tasked to care and to shepherd for God's good creation. And if we were tasked to do just this, we know it is important for God's plan as well because God does not set for us meaningless tasks. Often the temptation from reading our passage today is always to see that the old world passes away and there is a new one in its place, figuring that we really don't need to do much because it will all be fixed in the end no matter how bad it gets here and now. But here's the thing. That is exactly backwards from how we should be understanding this passage. As we discussed, one day creation will be resurrected just as Christ was. Now, remember Christ's body as he stood before the disciples in our passage last week that we also looked at today. See the wound in my side. See the holes in my hands and my feet. The body of creation is resurrected, yes. The body of creation is renewed, yes. But what we do to it in the here and now, that, that matters. In the new creation, we are redeemed, but... We are still us, bodies and all, just renewed as Christ's was, to be what it was supposed to be. God will resurrect this creation, make no mistake about that, but how does that mean it is fine to abuse it in the meantime? That would be like, say your buddy had a car and he was going to bring it in to a wash later that day. And so for some reason you decided to dump a bucket of manure on it because he's going to clean it up anyway. No, that makes absolutely no sense at all. That's being a terrible friend. So care for the body of creation that will be renewed. Pick up some trash, buy a little less, live a little simpler, stick around town a little more. As we have said before, if Christ could feed thousands from a few loaves and fish, don't be surprised when he moves mountains with something that seems as small as this. Also, if we were tasked by our God and creation to have a good relationship with ourselves, that means take some time when you need some time. It means we shouldn't think of working ourselves ragged into the bone as a good work ethic. It means that we shouldn't just put off those little things that we hear creaking in our bodies, but instead should address them if we feel they need addressing and just don't want to admit it to ourselves. 
after all. How can we go about the other things that God tasks us for unless we pay attention to ourselves as well? And finally, as human beings made in the image of God, we were made to have a relationship with him. And you better believe that building this relationship will speed the day of hope that we have heard of today. The day when all of the things that we fear, all of the things that set us on edge, are done away with by the glory of God. So read your Bibles, pray, talk to other believers about our Savior. For it is through this relationship that we see how to be who we were meant to be the ones who God tasks to hasten the day of hope realized, when the glorious new beginning of all things will be.
benediction comes from the book of Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Go now and serve our God.